Father, you have saved us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Man, we say thank you for that. Where would we be if it wasn't for the salvation that you have given to us? We recognize that uh, in us dwells no good thing, that we are sinners through and through, and yet you loved us from the very beginning of time, and you set in, plan that, in motion that plan that Jesus Christ would die for us. And now, Father, you desire from us that then we would live out our salvation in our everyday life and uh, all the decisions we make and the relationships that we have with others in the way we speak, the way we act. Uh, you want us to live as your children. And I'm so thankful that you have given to us your word of God, the Bible, that gives to us guidelines and uh, the pointers, the direction that we need to live out our life. So, Father, speak to us from your word today, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in the a, in a middle of a, a series of um, messages that I'm calling critical conversations that you need to have with your children. And, and it really is the kind of conversation that uh, to help them to know how to grow and how to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. But more than that, it's a conversation we need to have with ourselves. We need to remind ourselves, what does God's word say about how we conduct our life? And so we started this series by looking at how do you hold on to your faith in the midst of this very uh, tumultuous world in which we live, where it's becoming less and less and less the thing to be a follower of Jesus Christ and the, the pressure is on uh, toward us. Last week we looked at what does God's word say to us about how do you make good friends? And so today I want us to talk about then how do you communicate well? Because I think about it, so much of your satisfaction in life, so much of your success in life depends on how well you communicate. Communicating well is going to be essential for our children, for our grandchildren, as they learn uh, how to communicate in school, how to communicate in friendship. It's something that you and I need to learn as we relate in the marketplace, on, on the job site, um, in our families. I mean, it's an essential skill that all of us need in both public and our private lives as well. And so naturally, if you think about communication, there are two parts to it, right? There's listening and there's speaking. And so we're going to kind of divide our, our sermon into those two parts to look at <clears throat> how do we listen well, how do we speak well. So let's start out by talking about listening, because the Bible has a lot to say about listening. <clears throat> In fact, I want to give you six secrets of great listening. And as we look at this, what I want to do is I want to look at maybe the best book in Scripture on communication, and that's the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs is a book that talks to us about how to live wisely and successfully. It gives to us some great guidelines for life. I mean, guidelines about how to have good relationships, guidelines on how to work and how to have great leisure. It gives to us uh, guidelines on a lot of different things in our life, uh, on decision making and so forth. Um, if you th remember, in the month of April, we looked at how to manage your money the way God wants you to manage your money, and we based it all on the book of Proverbs. Uh, last week, <clears throat> excuse me, we looked at how to make good friends, and that was based out of the book of Proverbs. So we're going to return to Proverbs today to look at guidelines for communicating well. This is an amazing book, 
the book of Proverbs. And one of the things that I want to just mention to you, I would challenge you or I would, would urge you, be, <coughs> excuse me, be regular in reading in the book of Proverbs because there are so many great guidelines here. In fact, uh, the story is told that Billy Graham read the book of Proverbs once every month for years. I mean, there's 31 chapters, and so, you know, you can read a chapter a day, and you can pretty much, in a month, you can cover the book of Proverbs. And he would do that year after year, month after month after month, year after year after year. So I, I, what I'm saying is, get in the book of Proverbs. This is a great book to, to look at. Um, and so as we look at the book of Proverbs, we want to we look at the question, how do you become a great listener? See, the problem is that you can hear something, but you don't necessarily are listening to it, right? There's a difference between hearing and listening. For instance, when you were in high school math class, the teacher was talking and maybe you were hearing, but were you really listening? If, if you know, from my experience, all I heard was wah, 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 wah. Yeah, I didn't pay attention. Sorry, Bruce. You know, <laughs> that's the reality for many of us in, in math class. You know, uh, you can hear, but you don't necessarily listen. And so there's a difference uh, between hearing and listening. Everybody hears, uh, but not everybody listens. Okay. And so the Bible tells us how to be skilled as a listener. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, 25 different times, God says, I want you to learn how to listen. I want you to learn well how to listen. And so from that, we're going to look at six skills, and I'm going to kind of put them into an acrostic, L-I-S-T-E-N, listen. Okay, so the first one, the L, would stand for, <coughs> excuse me, Look at them in love. You see, whoever you're going to have a conversation with, whether it's your child, whether it's a parent, whether it's a, a boyfriend, whether it's a spouse, whether it's your, your ex even, you know, you look at them with eyes of love. It really needs to start with love. And what I mean by that is that you show that you care about them, that they're important to you. Uh, because without love, you have no great communication. Look at, at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 1. He says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So in other words, God says, words without love are just noise. And, and so it, if I don't love, it doesn't matter what I'm communicating, because really the reality of life is that we need to learn how to love in our relationships. That's essentially important. So how do you communicate love in a conversation? Uh, do you just gush over and say, oh, I love you? Now, think about it. If you've ever been out on a date, how did you convey love? It was with your eyes, right? You had that look in your eye, and it conveyed love. Your eyes are powerful tools for showing love. And so if you're going to have a, a conversation with your child, uh, or, or uh, you know, it's an important conversation, really for that matter, anybody that you need to have an important conversation with, you start with your eyes. You show through your eyes that they're important to you, that you really care about that. Uh, you give them your attention. Now think about it, uh, giving a person your attention is giving them your love. 
because you're sharing of your time with them. You're sharing of that attention. And so what you're saying is, I love you when you give attention. See, great communication starts with the way you look at somebody. They've got to feel that you really genuinely care about them, that they are important to you. Um, they're not going to listen if they don't think you care. Look at Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 12. God's Word tells us this, ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. Now notice, he didn't say anything about mouths there, did he? Not at all. You see, in communication, it's your eyes and it's your ears that matter more than your mouth. Uh, eyes to hear, uh, ears to hear, eyes to speak, okay? Now, think about it. How many eyes did God give you? Two. How many ears did he give you? Two. How many mouths did he give you? One. What that says is you need to listen twice as much as you need to speak. You need to look twice as much as you need to talk. Uh, you know, that's the reason that God gave you twice as much. And the biggest problem in communication, folks, is we have a tendency to talk too much. We want to talk too much. Now, why do we talk too much? I think it's because we love ourselves more than we love other people. We love to hear our own voice, our own opinions, not so much the opinions and, and, and voice of other people. And God warns over and over in the Bible about the problem of talking too much. Uh, you know, the book of Proverbs emphasizes this problem, that you're talking too much, you know, too much out of your mouth. Uh, so we've got to learn to listen before we can learn to talk. That's why I'm doing them in this order. Look at these verses out of the book of Pro uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 10, verse 14. This is the New Century Version. says this, The wise don't tell everything they know, but the foolish talk too much and are ruined. Anybody identify with that? Yeah, okay. Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Uh, I like the, the Living Bible uh, paraphrase of that verse. It says, don't talk too much. Don't talk so much. You keep putting your foot in your mouth. Be sensible and turn off the flow. Some of us could, could really gain some wisdom from that. You see why the book of Proverbs is so great? Yeah, exactly. And then Proverbs 13, 3. Those who control their tongues will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Wow. Okay. So first of all, we need to look and learn, uh, look and, and listen with love. Okay. The I stands for invest as much time as needed. Invest as much time as needed. Um, because, you know, the truth is you can't listen in a hurry. You can't listen in a hurry. Great listening takes time. Uh, you have to slow down. Uh, the truth takes time. Boy, this is illustrated so well in the book of Job. You remember Job. Job went through a tragedy in his life. A lot of, of horrible things happened to him. And he had three friends who learned of the tragic thing that had happened. And they came to, to Job to encourage him and to support him. Look at uh, the verses there from Job chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. It says, When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. And then verse 12. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely reconciled, uh, recognized him. 
Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. What is happening here is what we would call the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence. You see, when you're dealing with somebody in pain, the deeper the pain they're in, the fewer words you ought to be speaking. Fewer words that you ought to say. And don't ever forget that. I mean, the deeper the pain somebody is in, the fewer words you need to use with them. Uh, You might say, well, you know, I'd love to try to help somebody out when they're in a bad situation, but I don't know what to say to them. I don't don't know how how to respond to them. Well, here's the key. Don't say anything, you know, just show up and shut up. Uh, That that really is is good advice. Um, That's the ministry of presence, because there's some pain that people are going through that is beyond words. So you just show up and you shut up and you let your presence minister to them. And you need to invest as much time as as you need to to help them. Uh, Did you notice how many days Job's friends sat with him on the ground? Seven days. Seven days they sat there without saying a word. Do you have anybody in your life who would sit on the ground with you for seven days while you were going through tragedy? See, that's the mark of a mature person. Um, Have you ever had a, a, a time in your life when you've sat with a friend for seven days of silence just to help them out, ease the pain, to say to them, hey, I know that you're going through pain and and I'm here for you. I'm not going to say anything, but I'm here. I'm just here. See, that's the mark of a true friend. This is the ministry of presence. Um, So you invest as much time as, as needed because you can't listen in a hurry. You just can't do that. You've got to be there. And when the time's right, they'll say something to you and you can respond to them. Uh, But you look at them with love and you invest the time needed. Third thing to learning how to listen well is you need to share their feelings and not your solution. Share your feelings and not your solution. See, one of the problems that we have as human beings is we want to fix things. We always want to fix things, you know. And the the fact of the matter is what God wants you to do before you're a fixer, He wants you to be a feeler. He wants you to understand the emotions of what they're going through. He wants you to feel their pain before you try to fix their problem. And, And so you share their feelings. What is it they're feeling before you try to fix it? You know, um, if you're like me, somebody comes along and say, well, hey, pastor, I've, I've got this problem. And, uh, and they start telling me, I mean, within four or five sentences, oh, I've got the solution. I know what you need to do. That's not what they need. That's not love. What they need to know is that I care. What they need to know is that I understand what they're going through, that I feel their pain, that, that I understand their frustration. They want to feel that you're feeling what they're feeling, and, and, and they want to be validated for us to say, yeah, I get it. I understand why you're frustrated. I understand why uh, you're angry. I understand why you're upset. Why, uh, you know, uh, they want to be validated. Whatever emotion they're going through, they want you to mirror it back to them and say, I understand what you're going through. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. 
So when somebody comes to you, a friend, a, a family member, somebody else, and, uh, you know, and you're going to be listening to them, don't try to fix the problem. Just listen and feel the feelings that they're experiencing before you, you jump to the fix. Um, they don't want to know the solution so much. They want to know you care. They want to know you understand. So let them share their needs because they have a need to share. Because, folks, there's healing in sharing. There, uh, there is healing in being able for somebody just to listen to you. So share their feelings, not your solution to their problems. Uh, you might know the solution, but you need to just hold off. If you're going to be a great listener, you need to listen to their feelings, which really uh, jumps into the T in listen, and that is tune in. Tune in. That is, tune into the fear. Tune into the, to the hurt that's beneath their words. Because when people are feeling, what people are feeling is probably far more than what they're saying in words. And what they're feeling is more important than the words they're speaking. If you think about it, you know, because a lot of times they're going to be saying one thing, but their feelings are going to be entirely different. And they may be totally opposite. And if you're going to be a great listener, you have to look past their words, past the things they're saying. Because sometimes what they're saying is going to be very offensive. And you need to understand why are they like this? What is it that's caused them to be angry? What has caused them to be frustrated? What has caused them to be hurt? You see, when people get angry, it's usually because they're either frustrated, they're hurt, or they're, they're fearful. And we need to understand, what are those emotions behind their words? Become, get beneath those words. Seek to understand, what is really going on here? And what I'm talking about is what we call sympathy. It's tuning in to their emotions. Uh, God's Word tells us this over in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, sympathize with each other. That means get into the feelings of one another. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. So he says <clears throat> that we're to tune in to other people's feelings with, uh, in, by sympathizing with their emotions uh, and do this tenderly and do this with humility. I mean, don't come across as some kind of the authority with all the answers. That's not what they need. Okay, then we move on to the E in, in listen. And that is you need to engage them with open-ended questions. Open-ended questions. Now, what's an open-ended question? Well, it's the opposite of a closed-ended question, okay? If you think about it, a closed-ended question is one of those that require yes or no. That's all the response you get, yes or no. When I was working for Lifeway and we were writing Sunday school uh, literature, uh, we used to talk about, you know, you need to ask good questions in your lesson plans. Don't ask questions that could be answered yes, no, or Jesus. Ask questions that go beyond that, okay? Well, that's what I'm talking about here. So when you say, did you have a good day at school to your child? That's a closed-ended question. There's only one response, yes or no. But what if you said, hey, how was your day at school? See, that opens it up for them to say, well, it was good until this thing happened. It was bad until my teacher said this to me. And, it, you know, so it's an open-ended question. If you're going to learn to be a great listener, you need to stop asking your children yes or no questions. 
or answers that, that are, are responded to with yes or no. Because that doesn't get you anywhere. That doesn't help you to really know what's going on. They're not helpful. If you really want to understand your kids, your teenagers, your spouse, other people in your life, learn to ask open-ended questions and drop those yes or no kinds of, of questions. Uh, because you want to ask Questions that res the response needs to be more than one word. And, and because of that, you're going to get deeper and deeper into the understanding of what's going on in their life. So tune into their emotions and then engage in open-ended questions. Writer of Proverbs says this in Proverbs 20, verse 5. People's thoughts are like water in a deep well, but someone with insight can draw them out. Um, how do I draw them out? By asking good questions, okay? Uh, let me give you a magical phrase that you need to add to your conversation vocabulary. This is the kind of phrase that you need to use with your kids time after time after time after time. And that's, if you really want to communicate well, this is what you need to ask them. And for that matter, anybody that you're talking with. And that is the phrase, tell me more. Tell me more. You don't just say, hey, you know, what's going on in your life? And they give you a couple of two sentences and, and they're done. And you say, okay, and then you move on. No, you, you stop and, and you say, well, tell me more. And, and they'll tell you a little bit more. And then when they get through, what do you do? Well, tell me some more, okay? You keep doing that. You see what you're doing? You're going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're allowing them to express more and more and more. That's a great listening tool. And, and when you say that several times in a conversation, you know what you're really saying? I am really interested in you and what's going on in your life. I really care about your, your life. And so with people, and whether it's kids or, or adults or whatever, you've got to draw them out like drawing a bucket out of a deep well. Tell me more. And then you just wait. We've got to learn to be patient, okay? And then the end in listen, and that is this. Never judge until you have all the facts. Never judge until you have all the facts. That will make you a great listener. Don't judge until you have all the facts. Proverbs 18, verses 13 and 15 says this. Listen before you answer. If you don't, you are being stupid and insulting. Intelligent people are always eager and ready to learn. See, God says, I don't want you to make snap judgments. Um, you know, I want you to keep an open mind. I don't want you just to assume that you know what's going on here. Don't assume that you've got a clear picture. You need to wait until you're sure that you have all the facts. But here's the problem, okay? Somebody starts talking to you about something and you start having emotions about what they're telling you. And suddenly you're either for that person or you're against that person. And when you start forming those kinds of emotions, it shuts off any kind of understanding that's going on. So therefore, you need to suspend judgment. You need to wait until you have all the facts. Uh, we need to keep an open mind. God says, don't prematurely evaluate. Um, and yet we do that all the time. We need to, to realize, I don't know everything in advance. And so the more I listen, the more I'm going to learn. And so don't judge before you have all the facts. <clears throat> so those are six guidelines for 
listening well, to becoming a, a master listener, okay? But a second part of communication is speaking, because the fact of the matter is that people can be great listeners, but not necessarily great speakers. And on the other hand, people can be great speakers and not great listeners. And I want you to be both. I want you to be a great listener and a great speaker. Now, not a, a great speaker in the sense of a, a great eloquitionist or a you know, somebody who's, who's a great deliverer of oratory. I'm talking about talking with one another, okay? So let me give you uh, five keys for being better, a better speaker. And that is, again, going to be an acrostic, S-B-E-A-K, speak. Five skills that we need to develop. First of all, <laughs> we need to save it for the best time and place. Save the conversation for the best time and place. You see, when you've got a kind of a, a touchy subject to talk with somebody about, the best thing is to do it at the best time and do it in the right manner, the best place and the best time. Uh, because timing is critical if you're going to have a crucial conversation. I mean, think about it. Maybe you've learned this already, you know, that you, you had something you really needed to talk to somebody about that was really important and you, you, you dumped it on them at the wrong time. How'd that go for you? You know, you come away and you realize, ah, I didn't, that didn't go too well. So timing is everything. Uh, one of the worst times, maybe this is for the ladies, okay? Guys, I'm going to run your banner up, okay? One of the worst times to have a serious conversation is when you go to bed and you lay your head on the pillow and suddenly your spouse leans over and says, honey, we've got to talk. I mean, those are words that will put fear in any man on the planet, okay? That's the worst time to have that kind of conversation, okay? So pick the best time. Uh, you know, uh, save it for the best time. And when is the best time? It's not when you're at your best, but it's when they're at their best. Uh, not when, when, you know, this is the best time for me to share it, but really when is the best time for them to hear it and to receive it? That's important, whether you're talking to spouses or children or employers or, or bosses or whatever. Now, with your kids, I'll just be honest with you, it's hard to figure out what time is best, okay? Kids are like clams. They're open, they're closed. They're open, they're closed. They're open, they're closed. And you've you got to figure out, when can I really, you know, when can I share this information with them? When can I sit down? And, and, and so the key thing there is you need to be prepared. You need to have planned out what you're going to say and look for those opportunities. And, and so you, you, while you're waiting, you're listening, but you've got your mouth closed. And when that opportunity comes, you're ready to share with them. Look at Ecclesiastes 7. Uh, 3 and verse 7, excuse me. It says, this is again from Solomon. He says, a time to be quiet and a time to speak. In other words, there's a time when you speak up and there are other times when you need to shut up. Um, wisdom is knowing the difference between when you do this and when you do that. It's, is there a good time to speak up or is this a good time to, to just shut up in this situation? And so you, you listen with your ears, you look for that opportunity but you don't spill the beans until the time is right. Ecclesiastes 8.6 says there is a time and a way for everything. So how do you know when the timing is best? Well, that's the P in speak. And that is you pray and you plan. You pray and you plan. 
Now, pray what? Well, you pray about what you're going to say. You pray about how you're going to say it. You pray about when you're going to, going to say it. You plan what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, when you're going to say it. You see, before you go into any major meeting or before you have that conversation with your ch children about their report card or you sit down and you talk to your elderly parents about what they're going to do about this or that in their estate or whatever, you need to do some planning. You need to think out what it is you're going to say. Um, and you need to do those things in advance. Pray about it. Plan about it. Because you wouldn't walk into a meeting unprepared without a plan, without having prayed about it. So first, what you want to do is you want to plan. Look at Proverbs again, 16 and verse 23. Intelligent people think before they speak. That, that's planning, okay? Intelligent people think before they speak. What they say is then more persuasive. In other words, wise people put their minds in gear before they set their mouth in motion. And that's an important thing to do. Um, when they do that, look what happens. Their speech is more what? Persuasive. You want to be persuasive in, in, in speaking? Well, here's how to be more persuasive. Plan what you're going to say. Think it out in advance. Um, let's talk a little bit more about planning. Look what uh, Paul said in the book of Colossians about how about our speech and what we need to say and so forth. Colossians 4 verse 6, he says, Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response from everyone. Folks, if you and I could just practice one verse out of the Bible, this would do wonders in making us a great communicator. Look what he says. We are to speak, let our conversations be gracious. That means in our conversations, we extend grace to other people. We, we, we cut them some slack. We help them to, to, to un, we, we understand what they're going through. We suspend judgment. We, it's all those things that we've just talked about. Um, that's what it means to be gracious. But he also says, if we're going to be attractive, it, it needs to be attractive. And literally, that means it needs to be seasoned with salt. Now, think about salt. In Paul's day, they used it for flavoring, but more importantly, it was used for preservation. And so there's a need for us in our speaking to speak in ways that preserve and not destroy. And all of us know the power of our words to destroy, right? Paul says we need to preserve with our words, build up. And so you've got to think ahead. You've got to plan it out. So the first thing is you plan. And the second thing, you pray. You know, you, you pray, Lord, teach me when to say it. Teach me what to say. And teach me how to say it. So that's the P. Um, you know, I save it for the best time. And then I pray about it. And I plan what I'm going to say and so forth. The E would, would talk about we need to empathize with their needs. Empathize with the needs of the person that you're in conversation with. In other words, don't start out with your agenda. Don't start out, you know, with your hurt. Don't start out with your gripes, your complaints, your problems. <clears throat> you start with them. What are their needs? What are their hurts? What are their interests? What's going on in their life? What's their fear? Paul, again, in Ephesians chapter 4, the last part of verse 29 says this. Let everything you say be good and helpful <clears throat> so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. 
Paul says, let everything you say be designed to build them up, to encourage them, to strengthen them. Uh, speak only what meets their needs. Speak uh, what benefits them. And, and that's pretty clear. He says you start with them and their needs, and you seek to build them up and encourage them and so forth. Let me let you in on a secret, and I use this in counseling a lot, uh, and this would be a great way to do conversations. And that is simply this. When you're going to sit down with your child, with your spouse, uh, with an employer, whatever, let them start. Let them talk first. And don't interrupt them. Let them talk without interrupting and just let them share what's on their heart. Let them just talk. Uh, maybe you have a question about what they're saying. Don't ask it. Maybe you need some clarification. Don't ask it. In fact, you might want to get a piece of paper, a notepad, and you want to write down those questions, those, those clarifications you need, but you don't say it. You just let them talk. And, and they may talk for five minutes. They may talk for 25 or 35 minutes, but you let them express themselves. Guys, your wives are always harping on you. You don't listen to me. Well, here's the way to do that. Let them say everything they want to say without you opening your mouth. Then... When they get through, then you summarize back. I hear you saying this. I heard you say that. Is this what you're thinking? You, you paraphrase it back to them. You, uh, you know what? That is a mark of a great communicator. The ability to hear what they're saying, repeat it back to them, and clarify what they're saying. Then you can ask your questions and so forth. Because when you're doing that, what you're saying to your spouse, to your child, whoever... You're saying, you know what, what you think matters to me, and I want to hear it all. Tell me what's on your heart. That's a great way in which to, to learn how to communicate well. <clears throat> and then the A in speak is to affirm the positive alternative. Affirm the positive alternative. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, let me, let me explain. That means what you're saying, and particularly if it's in a conflict, maybe you're having a little spat or whatever, you want to be a proponent of what is right and not a proponent, an opponent, excuse me, of what is wrong in your marriage or in your situation or whatever. You want to be in favor of what could be rather than a, an opponent of what really is and what's going on there. Because negativity doesn't change people very much. Uh, you affirm the positive attitude. Let me, let me put it another way to help you to understand what I'm talking about. Don't tell it like it is. Instead, tell it like it could be. Don't tell it like it is, but tell it like it could be. Because when you're telling it like it is, what are you doing? You're simply reinforcing the negative. But when you tell it like it could be, you're building on faith. You're building on hope. You know, I could get a vision of what could be, say, for instance, for, for my marriage. And, or to your child, this is what you could do. This is how you could be rather than focusing on what they are, okay? And, and so don't tell it like it is. <clears throat> study after study shows that whenever you hold up, whatever you hold up or whatever people focus on, they're naturally drawn to that. So if you hold up everything that's negative, guess what? People will be drawn to the negative. You know, if you're out there, you're telling everybody what's wrong with your relationship, or you're telling everybody what's wrong with the world, um, 
all that they hear is the negative, and and all it does is it reinforces that negative. Look at Proverbs twenty, uh, Proverbs fifteen and verse two. <clears throat> the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. In other words, if you're wise, when you have a conversation, you're going to make whatever you're saying, you're going to make it attractive. You're going to make it appealing. Now, let me show you how to do that. There's really three secrets to that. Number one, you need to share with them the benefit. Share with them the benefit. Let's, let's say you're wanting to make some changes in your family. You need to show your family these are the benefits of change, of the way in which we could do somebody. So you share the benefits. Number two, <clears throat> the, the second way to make knowledge attractive is to say it positive. Say it in a positive way. Don't say it negatively. Don't, don't say it in a condemning or critical uh, voice or, or spirit or anything like that. Because that doesn't work. Say it positively. The writer of Proverbs in 16.21 says, The wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. The wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. You want to be persuasive with your kids? You want to be persuasive with your spouse? You want to be persuasive with a client or, or a customer or a boss or whatever? The more pleasant you are, the more persuasive you are. See, the truth is you will never be persuasive by being abrasive. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, that just puts people in a negative mood. Now, listen to this. If I say it offensively, it's going to be received defensively. Let me say that again. If I say it offensively, they will receive it defensively. And then we wonder, why are you always so defensive? Listen to yourself. How did I say this? Then the third key to making it attractive is to offer hope. Just offer hope, especially when you're talking to children. Offer them hope, uh, whether you're talking to a spouse or a friend or, or, or whatever. Always offer hope because our world is hungry for hope. Then the K in speak, and that is simply this. Keep calm and don't argue. Keep calm and don't argue. Um, you know, they may some, say something that just irritates the stew out of you. But you need to keep calm. Don't get angry. Don't let it trigger you. Respond by keeping, keeping calm. Uh, Proverbs 17, verse 27. <clears throat> A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. See, a truly wise person, if you think about it, that means a person who is very self-confident. Uh, they're not insecure at all. When you run into somebody and all they want to do is talk, 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 that's a sign of insecurity. They're, they're, they're very insecure. Insecure people talk too much. But people who are sure of themselves, uh, people who are confident, they don't need to talk a lot. So don't let people trigger you. You know, don't let people cause you to say, well, you just made me mad. Listen to what you just said. You made me mad. What you're saying to them is, you have, the, you have control of my emotions, and you can make me mad. Don't do that. Don't, let, don't tell somebody you make me mad, because you have the power to control your own emotions. So don't argue. Keep calm. Let's finish with this, James chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, 
slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You know, if, if you and I would do the first two statements in that verse, the third would come automatically. You know, if, if we would be slow to speak, quick to listen, then we would always be slow to get angry. The problem is, we've got it backwards. We're fast to speak, quick to speak, slow to listen, and then we get angry quickly because we've got it backwards. So, in fact, not only do we like to speak, we like to interrupt and, and so forth. So we've got to be, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak, and it will lead to being slow to anger. Now, here's your homework, okay? I've listed 11 different things, and you can't work on all of those at one time. So pick one of those to say, this is something I'm going to work on this week. This one particular area I'm going to work on to see if I can't become a better communicator through listening and through speaking or whatever. And then the second part of your homework assignment, who is one person that you need to have a conversation with? A, a deep, serious conversation, whether it's a family member, whether it's somebody at work, whether it's a, a member of the church family or whatever. Is there somebody that you need to have a conversation with to clear the air, to help get some of these things straightened out? <clears throat> I want to encourage you to do that. So one area you need to work on, one person you need to work with on that. Let's bow for prayer. <clears throat> Father, I want so greatly for our Calvary family to be filled with great communicators. Uh, you've given us the greatest message in the universe, the good news of Jesus Christ, but we certainly haven't been great at, at, at sharing it. And we haven't always been great listeners either. So I just pray that you'll help all of us <clears throat> to work on being better listeners and better speakers in these weeks ahead. Help us to have um, some really healing conversations Con you know, in our church family between parents and kids and uh, spouses and uh, family members, maybe even small group members, whatever, between people that, uh, that irritate us. I'm asking you for some real breakthrough in relationships because you want us to live out our Christian life in every area that impacts us. Now, I want to ask you if you just pray silently in your heart and just say these words to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, help me to listen better to the people in my life. Help me to learn to look at people with love Help me to invest as much time as is necessary, not to get into a hurry, not to, to be impatient, but to take the time for meaningful conversations with my kids, with my family members, with anybody that, that needs my attention, my time. Help me not to be too busy to talk. Help me to, to learn how to share what they're feeling and not always looking to give them my solution. Keep me from, from being a fast fixer. Help me to tune in to those hidden hurts <clears throat> that are there. Teach me how to, to just be better at asking open-ended questions to allow people to really express what they're thinking. I pray that, Father, that as I speak to people in my life, that I would learn to 
choose the best time, the best place for those words. Help me to, to really pray and plan out what I'm going to say and not just to speak off the cuff because that is so damaging so many times. <clears throat> Teach us to be smart and intelligent. Help us to empathize with the needs of the people in our life. Not to go to my agenda, my hurts or anything like that, but to really be concerned about others through my conversations. Help me to, uh, to keep calm, not lose my temper. We need your Holy Spirit in our lives to do all of this. We want to be great communicators, and so we ask you to come in and fill us and to help us to carry out the injunctions that we've found in your word today about being a great communicator. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.